discussing today uh, how Sunday morning worship relates to daily life. And so I want to introduce to you, uh, introduce you to uh, some of the people we're going to be talking uh, with. Uh, we've got Lisa Collier. Uh, hi, Lisa. <laughs> She's in Philadelphia coming to us from uh, the uh, DHQ uh, in Pendel, working in uh, core lay leadership uh, there in the program department. Uh, we also have uh, uh, Morgan Irish George, who is the assistant uh, director of philanthropy at uh, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, in the Swanecki division. But more importantly, she's a soldier there. And, uh, and her husband, Eddie George, uh, who is also coming to us uh, from Lexington, Kentucky, and he works with both music and with young adults, and sometimes both at the same time, uh, in the Lexington Corps there. And uh, Andrew Boynton uh, from the Greater New York Division, the Divisional Music Director there, um, as well as uh, Matt Baker, who is also uh, with us at the Core Leadership Development Bureau at THQ. We're going to start with a question. What is the proper relationship between Sunday morning worship and everyday life? Uh, And I I just want to say while, while the panelists are thinking about that, if you're tuning in live, uh, we want to hear from you uh, on the Facebook uh, uh, post. You can uh, add comments, post questions. And if you're listening to the podcast, I want to encourage you to subscribe, give us a review, share it. Uh, we want to engage more salvationists with valuable local leadership oriented conversations. So uh, now, uh, my friends, uh, what are your thoughts? What is the proper relationship between Sunday morning worship and everyday life? I think the too many people think that Sunday morning is where you worship. Uh, we discussed previously about worshiping and everything that we do, but Sunday morning is our opportunity to worship corporately as a group. Mm. Uh, there's something particularly significant about that form of worship, uh, and I agree with what Lisa says. It should uh, we should be equipped, further equipped by the word by the preaching and the elements of the meeting, uh, things that we can use in our personal worship uh, mm. through devotions and, and prayer. Yeah. Good thoughts. Any other thoughts there? On the corporate, you know, the idea of like corporate worship, it's also a time for us just to uh, kind of like proclaim what we believe, like uh, specifically I would uh, imagine like through singing, um, just to come together uh, expressing our thankfulness and praising God, but also uh, affirming to ourselves uh, what we believe within that. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Morgan, how about you? I think it's uh, similar to what a lot of other people um, have said. Um, For me, it's, um, I've generally thought of it as a beginning um, and being equipped for the rest of the week. So it's not, it's not something separate. It's, um, preparing for and like I said, just equipping. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I hear a lot of like that that there should be like continuity between these days. We shouldn't create such a, a a dichotomy or set it apart. But in some ways, yeah, it is set apart because it's we do something special there that we don't do every day. Um, you know, the the the, the proclamation or the uh, it, it's interesting. You know, Eddie, how how you said it's it's our chance to affirm uh, our our faith. Um, you know, often we, th- we think we go to the uh, worship in order to hear something, but, you know, you're kind of saying it's a testimony for us to actually go our, ourselves as well. Um, but uh, it, are, are there uh, other ways perhaps to think about this uh, uh, relationship that uh, you'd like to suggest? I just think it's interesting, the sort of indeterminacy, like people have already said, like, oh, for me, it's the end of the week or it's the beginning of the week. Mm. And... I don't know. There's just something about that indeterminacy that I find interesting. And like Sunday officially is like the the first day of the week, but it's also in terms of the Sabbath, it's the last day of creation. There's something to be said there between rest and creation. Yeah. 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 And you know, if you think about it, I I don't want to go too far into, I'm not an astronomer or anything, but I do know (laughs) that naturalistically speaking, the calendar is not a given. Yeah. You've got seasons that come in different parts of the world um, and so forth, but 
you've got winter, you've got times when the earth is closer to the sun, times when it's further away and so forth. Those are cycles that the world, you know, kind of that, that the, the earth sort of gives to us, but this seven day breaking of the, um, week, you know, it is something that is, uh, superimposed. It's something that the entire world observes, you know, and yet it's superimposed, uh, you know, it's not a given in nature and it's, it's, it almost makes an audacious statement about what's important and what's not, you know, we order our whole week around this, something that is, um, really it's, it's not a naturalistic phenomenon. It's completely, yeah, there's a statement being made. And, and now this, this is always a fruitful line of uh, thought. I want to ask this question. What factors bring you to the core on Sunday morning? And you could speak personally to this. Um, what, 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 why do you go? That's actually a really good question that I, I was thinking in preparation for this. There's a lot of people that, a lot of reasons that people provide not to go. <laughs> one, of, one of which, and this is opposite to your question, but it's interesting to think about um, because they, they tie together. One of the reasons not to go for some people would be that you can worship anywhere and you should be able to worship um, similarly in your home to worshiping in, in the church, mm. to which you say it's important all throughout the Bible as, as well in the New Testament, the fellowship of believers in the same place, people coming together to worship. Mm. Uh, so for me, and you know that, that's the primary reason to be in fellowship with other believers um, that are like-minded and coming to do the same thing. Mm because there's something that's a whole other level beyond our personal worship. It's something, something different, something unique. Mm. Um, and that's also speaks to some of the differences between worship on Sunday versus worship throughout the week. It's also doubles as a reason as why we do that. Yeah. Yeah. For me uh, as a musician, I've always uh, a sense of duty uh, in that I'm providing um, an enhanced worship experience for other people as well. Mm. Um, and so you, I, so you have a ministry, and not not just a duty, but a but a, a ministry. It's a gift. Yeah, it's a gift. It's it's how I give of myself back to the Lord in the way that um, hopefully will bless people and uh, and bring people closer to God. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, and and what brings you to the core on Sunday? I would agree with Andrew that it is to um, worship together with other believers that, you know, there's a different dynamic when we worship together as a group than when we're worshiping individually. And just to um, be encouraged and to strengthen, um, be strengthened from others and as well to do that for others. Mm. So there's giving and receiving happening as well. I, I'm hearing, uh, what other thoughts do we have on that? Why do you go to worship with Eddie? Uh, just very similar to what's already been said. Um, it's just uh, a time to gather, to celebrate our faith, to proclaim our faith, uh, to uh, dive a bit deeper than maybe we're uh, able to on our own. And just that, uh, that fellowship, just of, of bettering each other, of pushing each other, of worshiping, uh, like Andrew said, with like-minded people, that's, that's, yeah. Hmm. You know, I, you, you have an interesting, um, you have an interesting role that I don't think any of us exactly have, um, which is that Sunday morning worship is part of your job as well, uh, Eddie. Um, I wonder how for you that, you know, well, I go to work, I, I go to church because it's on my job description. <laughs> you know, uh, I wonder, I wonder how that complicates things for you or if that just doesn't, you know, matter uh, here well i i should say that even if it wasn't part of you know my job I would still <laughs> yes and i i I, but, I knew you before you had that job and you were still yeah. going to that congregation but um no so for me it can be like there's a lot that i just have to keep track of on sundays and it's very easy for me to you know be worrying about you know the next song is coming up or making sure you know that the, everything's like flowing smoothly so uh, this this year in particular for me, I've um, been trying to put more of an emphasis on the fact that um, from like a musician's perspective, Sunday isn't the only time that we can worship. 
mm -hmm. like rehearsals and uh, other gatherings and stuff like that can be just as uh, meaningful, uh, if not more so sometimes, just because mm -hmm. it's more of a relaxed environment. Um, one that if you're uh, focused on the right things and, and um, have, the, have the right mentality approaching it. Obviously, like, uh, you know, in rehearsal, you want to make sure that uh, you're getting done what needs to be done, fixing fixing things that need to be fixed and preparing for Sunday or, or whatever. But at the same time, it is you, that that time can be uh, used as worship. And so for yeah. me, the, those times I've been putting more of an emphasis personally on that. That's and even a measure of discipleship can take place there um, where people are, are growing together in, you know, significant ways. Yeah. That brings up an interesting, an interesting point along the similar lines of, of music uh, musicians, people who are actively involved in the church service. There'll be church services where 75% of the service uh, I'm actively involved in participating. And sometimes uh, you can't, I should be careful how to say this. You can't fully delve into a thought of, of worship because of what you have to do because you're providing for others. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've actually um, witnessed from some people that that can be detrimental to them, but I think it's such, such an important part of worship that there's some preparation to be had with that. So, yeah when I'm preparing to either lead worship or play in a band or sing or be a, a part of the worship service in that way that I have to do extra preparation beforehand and find other outlets to make sure that I'm um, spiritually fed in that way. You receive, yeah. you get so much, um, you receive so much in giving, but there's, there's more to that as well. And maybe that's for a different on point. No. And, and you know, it, when, when you say that, um, and, and I, I want to hear from you, Morgan and, and, and Matt too, uh, but when, when you say that it occurs to me that, um, the, the initial question that we had about, uh, what's the relationship between Sunday and everyday life, um, doesn't take into account the fact that we are actually making direct, uh, sort of preparations in our everyday life. It, it kind of uh, assumes this dichotomy, but, you know, in, in our experience, uh, like, you know, in, in my experience, and as you've described, sometimes you are doing things directly to prepare, like you're learning a song, you're practicing a song, you're writing a sermon, you're preparing a devotional thought, you're, you're giving some thought to it. And even in that process, you are, you know, maybe in a private room or whatever, but you are, uh, studying and, and the, the Lord is, is working on you. And sometimes you're with other people doing the practice and, and the Lord is working amongst you as well. So there, that is like a natural continuity. Um, you know, that, you know, it's, there's not such a dichotomy, uh, to begin with. Yeah. And even if you are showing up out of, I don't know, duty or something like that, right. There's a sort of formal character to that, right. Even if you're kind of grudgingly showing up in a, in a ritualistic way, I mean, the, the word form is right in there. So I think that's, that's still formative. It's still part of uh, your own formation and the formation of the community. I think that even as there is things to be critical of in terms of ritual, but I also think there is, um, there's good things that, that can happen um, uh, with that. And, and going back to what somebody said, mentioned discipleship, I think that's, I think that's important for me and for how I think about it. Um, I don't think we can have uh, discipleship apart from uh, being formed in community. And it might be too obvious to say, or maybe it's a tautology or something, but you can't have community without community, which means you need to show up. Part of, yeah. part of community is showing up. <laughs> yeah. Morgan, you have some thoughts to share. What, what, what about you personally? Uh... Um, I think, so a big part currently is the social aspect I mean, you can't deny that there is um, there is that beautiful, terrible time at the end of a service when everyone's communing in the lobby and officers or pastors are trying to shuffle people out but also not disrupt that. And there's some beauty in coming together and being able to catch up. So I think social is a big part of it. Um, I think for me internally, there's been um, a process growing up um, either as a child who went to church every Sunday when the doors were open, moving on to my parents becoming officers, 
being in the core again, whenever the doors were open, even when the doors were closed. But then that shift for me, um, going to college, being in control of when I get in the car and when I go, um, (laughs) in addition to now being a young adult, being married, thinking of the future in family. And I think for me coming to the church on Sunday morning has become about setting an example as well about the need for community. And we've already touched on those things. Um, but the fact that community also holds us accountable to, sorry for the conversations around me. Um, but the, the need for, um, being held accountable for what we do and what we believe and that there's a difference between, um, truth with a capital T and a uh, lowercase T. And I think that's been something I've seen around me, especially those that are my own age. Um, that view of, well, um, the Bible's right here. I can worship at home as, um, was already shared, but there's no one there to help me interpret that. And so things can begin to spiral. And so, um, for me, it's also been, okay, they're admitting there are things that I can't do for myself and that we, we come together to, to work together to, to, um, to interpret that truth and to understand it fully. Yeah, you, you know, I, I I appreciate that, and like everyone is is talking about the the communal dimension. I mean, it 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 it, uh, it the the gathering, the the uh, worshiping together, the fellowship, and uh, you mentioned about that 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 space in the lobby, that time in the lobby when people are just you know just this random getting together. Um, it, that's actually an important part of worship, and I, I know. When I was at uh, Asbury Theological Seminary, they would have, um, a, you know, a chapel t- Tuesday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It was a chapel, and it was it, they didn't. It wasn't mandatory the way it was at uh, Asbury University, but um, you know, people would gather there. You know, typically hundreds of people would just would come there, and it would be so noisy every time. Just p- people being so loud, so noisy, and one of the things that was really consciously done was, uh, at the beginning of every service, um, at, you know, at the call to worship, there was a celebration of all that noise and all that fellowship that was happening. You know, there wasn't kind of a shutting down of it or something more sacred should be happening here than all these people talking with each other, you know, um, you know, cause that was part of the sacred, uh, process of, of being there, you know, it was sharing the peace of Christ almost, but in, not a formal way, you know, like even from ancient worship, there's, there's this idea of sharing the peace of Christ with each other, but, uh, it's been formalized, but really, you know, it's, um, you know, now for me, all this, of course you get together for worship and there's a sense in which by default, every time you get together for worship, whether or not there's a good sermon, whether or not the music goes right or, anything like that by default you have people there and there's worship and so you're fulfilling that but for me i think there's a step um that i like to see it go where i want to give and receive grace uh between people like i I want to give and receive grace interpersonally while i'm uh you know at that sunday morning experience so that might happen in Sunday school. It might happen informally. It might happen formally through preaching or through a particular song or a scripture reading or wh- whatever sacrament or whatever. But I want to participate as, as Lisa was talking about the giving and the receiving, um, you know, and, and Andrew, you were going into the idea that you're, you're giving a gift there. Uh, that's, that's what's important to me. Everybody there being a giver, everybody there being a recipient of, of grace as well. Um, in in what ways um, are these ways of thinking about worship uh, healthy? In what ways are they not healthy? Are there are there alternatives uh, that that we can talk about reasons why people go to worship that may be uh, less healthy and why? And are our own um, are our own uh, the things that we desire to get out of worship, are those actually healthy or, or a little off center? Well, there's definitely a danger in, we kind of touched on this a little bit of going because you have to, 
or going mm-hmm. because you feel like you have to, because it's the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's also a danger in going, thinking that you're only going to receive things. Like you said, Isaiah uh, should be seeing how you can give to others too. That's the whole part of the community aspect is that we're worshiping together. And um, when you're studying the word through through, um, meeting together like that, Mm. Or, if, or if you walk away and you say, "I I didn't get anything out of that," or "I didn't yeah. I didn't receive," I wasn't fed. <laughs> it becomes it becomes a little bit more of a selfish mindset, I think, than than what we should probably have. But I think in our culture of of entertainment and watching TV and going to concerts, it becomes that, and we have to be careful about that. When I, of course I'm thinking from the music and arts. Um, perspective that a lot of the meetings that I plan or am part of planning, we're we're looking to elevate the level of that. Mm. Um, But why is it because we want to entertain people and thus get larger crowds of people and, you know, so that it looks like we have a big congregation or are we doing that um, with the sole purpose of, of focusing people's hearts on worship and, um, hopefully adding to the worship experience. Mm. But the line is, is easy to cross, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the, you know, the better the music is, sometimes you know, it turns into performance-based uh, instead of, instead of worship-based. So I think that is one of the ways where it could be a dangerous, uh, dangerous perspective yeah. to that. And I, I don't think that music or those sort of go-to entertainment aspects of worship uh, are the only things that are susceptible to that. Because I think that you can have a church that's like, check out our fellowship, you know, check out the way that we greet each other and check out our coffee, you know, and you can have a church that's like, check out our preaching or check out, you know, th- you know, check out our building, check out our windows, check out our, you know, a decor, you know, uh, it's not necessarily something where grace is being given and received, you know? Uh, so, so I, you know, I don't even know if music is, is uh, something that's more susceptible to that than anything else because music also has the capacity to really um, enrich people's worship and, and bring them entirely in as a, as a whole person uh, to the experience of worship. Are there, are there, you know, maybe some unhealthy, uh, you know, sides to, you know, thinking about it, even in terms of uh, why do I go? What do I get out of it? Yeah. Not to linger too long on that, that point. And I'm not really sure how to say this exactly, but I, I mean, I certainly grew up in a, uh, in a musical environment where excellence was expected, you know, and I've sort of inherited that and I, I own that. So if I, if I'm performing or something or whether it's in a musical setting or something else, um, I do have that expectation of myself. I don't necessarily then expect that from everyone else. And in terms of expectations, I don't know if this is a bad thing or not, but I typically I show up on a Sunday, not really expecting anything, which is kind of liberating because if things go <laughs> and your crazy, expectations were met. <laughs> I feel like that sort of like creates a, an open space or like to just kind of receive whatever happens. And mm. I, I had a professor, um, D- D- Dr. David Bauer, um, who, it would, uh, you, you know, you'd think, oh, a Bible scholar, um, you know, how can he get anything out of the preaching? And, uh, and he, he would really answer that question uh, devotionally or, or, you know, really, uh, he would say, um, and he said on many occasions, um, there has never been a time when I haven't gotten something out of the preaching. And there were some close calls. <laughs> but I never walked away without getting something. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, it comes to be uh, something about our attitude. You know, if, yeah. if, you're, if your attitude that everything you receive that day is a gift. Um, and, and hopefully also with the attitude of I'm here to give something, even if I don't have a formal role in worship. Um, you know, like there are some Sundays, I'm sure that, that each of us may, maybe, maybe less so the people who are, you know, musicians every Sunday, but there are, there are Sundays that um, we have no formal role. We're not on the program. Our name's not there. We're not, you know what I mean? Um, but we're still there to give. 
We're not simply there to receive. I hear this a lot in, in, in different contexts and over the years is that is having an expectation that, that God is going to show up. I, I mean, God should, should already be there, right? It's, the question for me is, am I going to show up and, and kind of be aware of, of the way that God is already present? Mm-hmm. And, and I think maybe for me, that's the answer to this question of, you know, what's the relationship between Sunday and the rest of the week, right? Because mm-hmm. am I present the same way that I would be present on a Sunday throughout the week? And the truth is, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like this morning, I'm, I'm tired. It's raining. I'm, I'm not really all here. <laughs> How much of that do you think is location-based too? Because you, yeah. you're in a different setting, so it takes a further. I think it takes a further um, thought, a further further part of your mindset to detach the location from the worship. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and I think maybe this isn't where you're going, uh, Andrew, but um, this this seems to say something about the spaces that we ask people to worship, the, the spaces that we set up for people to worship in and whether they, you know, on the one hand, you've got people who say they should look like everyday life. They should look like a warehouse. They should look like, you know, drywall paint, uh, drop ceilings and fluorescent lights and, you know, and, and, and commercial carpet. And then there's people who say, no, these, these places have to be very sacred, uh, as you know, as though the decor makes them sacred, but they have to be special. They have to be set apart, stained glass windows, special furniture, you know, and so forth. Um, I'm not sure if you were going there with that comment, but uh, you know what, what we want continuity on the one hand and Matt is, you know, you know, brought up a great point about the, that continuity is about whether I'm there to worship in that space, um, whether it's at work or in life, what um, you know, is there something to be said for uh, separating at all? Is there a measure of separation that ought to be there? I don't think I have a fully formed, sorry, thought on this, but um, it just makes me wonder if we're, um, so, you know, we have the beauty of, um, of the curtain that is like torn when, when Christ dies, like, Mm. and so now we're able to enter into this presence, but it's almost like at times, I'm not saying that it, um, it happens all all, constantly, but we almost like, we've just kind of extended it. Okay. From, um, from that just to the front doors, it's like, well, okay, we can enter God's, God's presence, but we'll do it once we enter the front doors rather than somebody else having to do it for us. Yeah, I think it's just, we have that privilege now of being able to take his presence, his, the opportunity to worship outside of that space, you know, and as Christians, as, as this new covenant people, and I think we're missing out on life if, if we don't take it with us, if we don't in, in choose to engage beyond um, that space too. But And that's, that's a distinctive of the Salvation Army too, about like the cathedral of the open air and really saying, you know, tearing out of the sanctuary and out into the street and saying, this is God's space and we're going to worship here. But, you know, by worship meaning something with you know, a, a bit more formality than, than like the way that say uh, a, a Finnish carpenter worships while he makes cabinets or, a, you know, a, a runner worships while they race or something like that. Yeah. The, the, the idea of prevenient grace, grace seems apt here, right? That the, that the location where God is show, uh, can show up is, is, is anywhere. And Je- Barb is, is in the street, right? And Bar- Barbara George should, um, who I guess is checking it out. I wonder why <laughs> she says, uh, she didn't pose a question, but she, she, um, she just wrote John four. And it's hmm. the story of the Samaritan oh, woman, right? Where worshiping Jesus in says, spirit and truth. And, yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's something to be said there, or maybe the question, maybe that's is sort of begging the question of what does that mean for you guys? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Is that connected to this idea uh, that we're talking about now of this, this question of partition between Sunday and the rest of the week? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're if you're privately sort of uh, interpreting that uh, the Lord is seeking those who will worship Him in uh, spirit and truth, I think people can think that that's an internal thing. And again, going back to you know, I can worship anywhere because uh, all that matters is my heart. Um, 
uh, uh, Jesus' response it was to the woman saying, do I need to go there? Do we need to go here? What's the argument? But I think that he wasn't just dismissing the, the argument about whether it's there or here. He was dismissing the entire uh, question about um, that you decide on what's right and wrong in your faith on the basis of these, uh, you know, sort of wor worldly arguments, but um, I'm not making any sense. So I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> so how can Sunday morning worship reflect everyday life? We, we have this uh, desire for continuity, um, even though it's a separate space. Uh, what are some, maybe some practical ways where Sunday morning worship and everyday life can complement each other, reflect each other, um, and vice versa. How do we bring the sanctuary into the open air? How do we bring the, 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 the workplace, the, the concern, the mundane concerns that we have, uh, into the, you know, and, and make Sunday morning worship more relevant to those things. Do you, do you mean that to say, to ask, how can we incorporate, well, I guess both ways, right? You're asking, yeah, how can we incorporate our everyday life into worship and how can we incorporate worship into everyday life? I just pictured, standing up on the subway and singing a congregational song. But, yeah. <laughs> so but maybe in more, more uh, natural <laughs> or, you yeah. know, organic ways. I, um, when I, when you first asked that question, I was, I was thinking mindset, like Matt, Matt said a little bit earlier and I was alluding to the location um, difference and how that affects our mindset. If we, if we enter our daily lives in a way that we're thinking about worship and we're thinking about uh, worshiping God in, a, in the same way that we do Sunday morning, it changes how we live. If you compartmentalize, this is church and this is life. This is Monday through Saturday. This is Sunday. Um, even though you're doing, you might be doing it in a different way. I think that changes a lot of things for you. So as mm. far as bringing everyday life into Sunday worship, I don't know how, as much if that translates. But for me, when I asked that question, I was thinking mostly your mindset, your, your perspective. Mm. Yeah. So I'll say from going from real life to church, um, I would say a big part of what can be brought um, is honesty and authenticity about what's going on, especially those of us who are, have a role in play in planning and executing let's say the formal time from when we welcome people to the benediction of being open and honest about that. Um, you know, I think we can see that in, in incorporating testimonies um, and those kinds of things, but also being honest um, about shortcomings, about hardships. Um, of course, not allowing that darkness to creep in and, and rule that in using fear within the church, but instead being able to surrender that exposing it to the light, which we believe, you know, will, um, will always be better and bring truth to it. And so I think for me, that's the part of it of, okay, if I'm participating, you know, whether I'm praying or um, giving a testimony or preaching, it's about the honesty of where I am currently and being able to build that. And I think that's been a big complaint. And I'm going to, I guess, go back to the same point of hearing that same concept of those my age of, well, everybody's fake when they go to church. It's not mm -hmm. real. And so I think that's something that can be positive in bringing into Sunday morning and saying, you know what, it was a really hard week. I had to depend really mm -hmm. fully on God's grace and strength and that his, his power would be made, you know, seen in my weakness. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's something important that we have to always remember too, is it doesn't have to be rainbows and sunshine. Um, you know, that there's a reality of God's love and grace um, shown. Yeah. Yeah. And even transparency about the, uh, the process and about what we're doing. Like uh, if the week has been really good for people and if, you know, <laughs> you know, people are just getting together and no one's had a single, you know, hiccup the whole week or whatever. Still, I think that sometimes uh, worship can feel um, like a performance and like it has to go smooth. And so people have this, you know, sense, Oh, they, you know, that, that person who was supposed to, you know, read the scripture didn't show up at the podium, you know, on their cue. And, and, you know, the, the, the introduction to that song was, you know, or they, it was a real stumbling block. 
I think, I think having like a bit of like laughing, like a hallelujah breakdown, I think is, is a bit of that authenticity and, and, and transparency that, cause you know, we plan things and we think, I, I remember this one time, it, this was stupid. This is embarrassing. I'm, I'm really exposing myself here, but the, uh, the, the, um, this one time I was leading a song in worship and in the song is this phrase, you know, let's hold hands. Right. So I said, Hey, let's hold hands while we sing the song. Right. And then everybody tried to hold hands, but they, they, they had a hard time holding the songbook and holding each other's hands at the same time. Mm. And then, you know, choosing if you hold the hand on the right or the left, you know, and it turned into a disaster. <laughs> but, you know, just being, being transparent about that too. But. I just thinking of this now and maybe, maybe it's too late to get into this. Maybe it's not, I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there, but you know, in the army, we do have this peculiar, feature of wearing uniforms at least some of us do mm-hmm. you'll hear this when this sort of thing comes up you're like oh why are we wearing it for each other okay that is a real question and maybe we can maybe that's one something we can talk about now since the question is about the relationship between sunday and the rest of the week mm. continuity <laughs> you know yeah. like it's i was I mean, actually I'm thinking this sort of myself yeah uh, why not wear the uniform all week long mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like why not just own it I, 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 it would be interesting to find out what early salvationists did. Like, was the uniform a Sunday morning thing or were they doing, you know, battle every day, you know, in their workaday life? Um, well, that's what I mean. Like in terms yeah. of like what it means to be a soldier and, 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 the, and the uniform is just kind of the outward, um, the most outward uh, you know, sign of that. But like, so I guess one of the questions here for me is like, you know, what does it mean to be a soldier on a Sunday? And what does it mean to be a soldier on a Monday? Mm. Or is that just, story is, is it also just one way that we set apart um, Sunday <laughs> Barbara, and make it different Barbara, than the rest of the day? Barbara George says, I right. do. <laughs> true. All right. So I will uh, say that I take great, I take more joy in putting on my uniform during the week than I do on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I'm married to the bandmaster. So if I'm not in my uniform on Sunday morning, I might get a, a side in trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I like, so here in our community yesterday and today, we're having um, a fundraiser in the community for um, Hurricane Florence um, emergency disaster. And I loved putting on my uniform yesterday. I had more pride when I put it on mm. then. And now some of that comes from my occupation. So here I work at the Salvation Army. So I have opportunities to wear it where it's relevant um, and I get to represent the Army. But I know that there is more joy and more worship in dressing in the morning when I'm putting my uniform on when I get to do that. And so I don't think it would be a bad, oppor- a bad thing for us as soldiers to look for those opportunities. And I was the nerdling in middle and high school who wore my uniform to school from time to time. But it, it afforded me opportunities that I didn't have before. And I think we overlook that because we want to complain about, well, the uniform's outdated. And I, I'm probably opening up a whole can of worms of, uh, you know, on that. But I think we're underestimating its power um, at times when we, yeah. when we think about that. So. I think, yeah, like, like I, I actually, um, the only time I'm normally in uniform would be a Sunday morning. My neighbors would see me and I know my neighbors, um, you know, surrounding me. I, I live uh, in a townhouse. So there's, you know, we're kind of tightly packed together. And, um, and it's like, I, I, I feel they've never said anything to me. Um, it's never come up, but I feel like, you know, as I'm, get, you know, getting the kids into the car and everything for, for worship on Sunday, I'm like, they must think like, boy, I thought Isaiah was a pretty uh, normal guy. Then not, you know, every Sunday morning he comes out with this oddball outfit, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's no other salvationist in my neighborhood uh, to my knowledge. And I think you're flying a plane every Sunday. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I wonder, you know, um, so, so, but, but the thing is, uh, it, it, you know, is it, is it, does it create open doors or does it create uh, closed doors? And, 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 and maybe that's not the topic of, of the conversation because we are on, on worship, you know, uh, you know, more, more focus on worship, but yeah, I, I it does create that, um, it, that, that, uh, either continuity or discontinuity with the rest of our life. Yeah. There's a comment from Daniel Alvario. Uh, I've been doing some reading regarding community and life together in Christ. And there's a statement that came to mind while I've been listening. Quote, it seems that one of the main reasons we are confused about community is that we make it primarily about us, our experiences, feelings, our natural affinities, our life situations, what we want or need. 
I guess that's some guy Barton. I don't know who that is, but cool quote. I mean, I think that we've yeah, Ruth Haley Barton. Yeah, probably Ruth Haley Barton. There you go. Okay. So what do you guys think about that? <laughs> is it, is community selfish? <laughs> do, we, do we think community selfishly? <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> Answer that. <laughs> You, you know, you know, people. Uh, th- there, there is a tradition, and, and we really haven't gone there uh, about uh, worship is so that I can get fed. You know, and and the centerpiece of worship is the proclamation. Yeah, I, I love what Eddie has been saying repeatedly about we go, and the proclamation comes from the people who gather. Um, it it is a, a testimony. Yeah. Um, and well, of, of course, course we the, need to be fed, but like I hate, yeah. I, I just hate, I hate how to sort of like falls within within like a narrative of of consumption, which consumption just, and digestion. <laughs> you know, I love speaking about worship in that sense. Yeah. But you know, do we consume community? And 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 you know, because you can picture you know people who are you know needy or clingy or whatever. Uh, do we consume community for our sake? And that's that's a commodity. Community is a commodity that the church provides that we go in order to get. And <laughs> I think, uh, um, sorry, hopefully my connection will be okay. Um, you know, I was just thinking in terms of like people saying that, you know, I didn't get fed or anything. Um, I think there's a number of things kind of wrapped around that. Number one, we have to go with open minds because, you know, when God's word is proclaimed, you know, it's for all of us. And, um, so if we go with a closed mind, then, you know, if we're going to shut off that, the word penetrating our hearts. Um, but I think, too, that, you know, in worship, if we view it as like revelation and response, that it's not just about the word coming to us, but we need to um, have opportunities to respond to that word. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I think that's where we fall short. Um, we don't allow time for response or enough time for response one or the other mm. um you know sometimes you know oops we went over time it's benediction and we're out of here mm. or but kind of so that was kind of two different things one you know just, just having the open mind so that we can receive the word um and you know but also having time to respond to that word um and you know some people our processes and they have to have time to sit and to think and you know it's not going to be immediate yeah you, you know um yeah I, I i like uh i like um i like what you're saying it, it, and it, it goes again to the to the uh place where it's what you bring and the the onus in a lot of ways is upon the worshiper it's not about the people who create the you know the worship experience or who you know put on the performance or whatever uh in fact a lot of us in fact the the majority probably of salvationists do not have a lot of input as to what happens why it happens and, and what's included in a worship service in a formal sense. We all, however, do have the power to um, wish our attitudes to be better, to, 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 to point our affections and our, and our attitudes uh, in a certain way. And a lot of what we've been saying about worship has not been about the formalities and about the elements that go into it, but about our attitude and what we bring to it. Um, so it, in a, in a place where we know that, um, that a lot of soldiers, a lot of adherents don't have a lot of power over the formal features of worship, uh, you know, be that as it may, (laughs) um, what are ways to make good worship happen across Sunday, across every day? Uh, And if I could leave that as the last question and get each person to respond, uh, to that, because uh, our time is coming to a close. Um, if you could just each think about uh, how you might put, you know, a, a final thought in, in that uh, in that way. What was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it, it, in a place where we understand that we don't have control over all the formal features of worship, 
what can we do to make uh, worship something that is continuous Sunday and every day? How can we really engage in worship on Sunday every day, even though we don't have power over the formal features? Just comes down to, to mindset, really. Um, this kind of ties into to some of what we've been talking about, but I think the familiarity and the routine of, of worship can uh, make it so familiar that we don't appreciate it for what it is. Um, you know, the people that are coming to a service and are walking away and feel like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't fed. I didn't really get anything out of the service. They're not really people, not usually people who have like never been to a church before hearing the gospel for the first time. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's people that, that have, uh, that are used to it. Um, you know, we, with, with the uniform, it, it has a very, uh, specific, you know, meaning of our, uh, of our redemption and a testament of our, uh, of God's grace. Um, but you know, over time, I, f- I feel like we forget that it just becomes the thing that we wear on Sundays or the, thing drum. the specific things. So I think, uh, doing all we can to, to avoid that kind of absent minded mentality that we have of just going through mm. motions of just singing songs on Sunday, because that's what we do in a service and not because it's uh, a chance for us to, like, like we said before, just like proclaim what we believe, um, to, to have an active intentional mindset in the things that we're doing and not just kind of autopiloting through everything throughout the week. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, well put. And along those lines, I think as long as we're keeping in mind, this may be just rephrasing what you said, Eddie, uh, thinking why we do things and, um, and how that carries over to our personal worship every day. Um, the aspects of our formal corporate worship, are we including those in a different form, at least in our, uh, in our prayer life and on our, in our personal worship? Mm. It may look different, but it's the same type of, of aspects that we should be including reading the word. And, and I think Morgan, you mentioned even testimony between it may be a phone call between friends. That's, that could be a, a part of that if done in the right way, hmm. using some of those elements, uh, even though they look different, it's the same idea. Hmm. Good, good point. Yeah. Who else wants to share something with that? Lisa. I like, um, you know, what Eddie said about mindset and, um, and just, Focusing our minds in the um, right area, even even daily. Um, I like what Psalm 34, 1 says, and it says, I will extol the Lord at all times, and his praises will ever be on my lips. Um, and I think, and I notice a difference in myself, even throughout the day, if I start my day with praise, and um, even... You know, a difference between whether I listen to news radio on the way into work or if I listen to Christian radio on the way into work. Um, so incorporating those things into our daily lives can, you know, have an impact on our mindset so that um, we are focused um, on everything we're doing being um, worshipped towards God. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Morgan, Matt, last thoughts? Um, I think for me, it's a, I mean, it's really simple of just like show up. Um, if you don't even, well, first, I mean, if you want to say if you don't come to, on Sunday, you're not going to receive like that same community engagement. Um, mm. But also throughout the week, making them the priority. Um, and, I, and I think something that I think it's kind of interesting, and this might be a whole rabbit trail that we'll need to put a stop to, but the, the word that we keep using is the word worship. It has so many meanings. Like we, we're using worship as a time, almost like a proper noun of like, okay, this is a thing, this is a place that we go to, but it's also just like, okay, what is it that we're actually doing in worship? We're honoring God. Like we are recognizing and pointing people to that. Um, and we're interacting with him. Like that's ultimately what it's about. It's not about ourselves. And so I think, um, you know, from Sunday to Monday morning, um, keeping that going. And, and like, it's already been said over and over of that mindset of showing up, making it a priority. Um, Fake it till you make it. 
I mean, really, like, it's like, even if you don't feel like it, it's not, a, it's not about you. <laughs> like, you know, it's about, we do worship because it's about God. Um, so regardless of whether we feel like it or not, um, take it till you make it, you know, do those things because that's what's been asked of us. And that's a joy for us to do yeah. and that we have an opportunity to do. Yeah. In this, in this culture, I think duty and obey are four letter words and yet they've done so much good for the formation of our, you know, our, our, uh, our persons and over history, Matt, you want to add anything? Yeah. I mean, obey can be a, a four letter word cause we're, we don't, we shouldn't obey everything. Right. Right. In um, the Lord. <laughs> uh, this whole conversation for some reason made me think of, uh, Henri Bergson. I just wanted to maybe end with a, this quote, there are manifold tones of mental life or in other words, our psychic life may be lived at different heights now nearer to action, now further removed from it, according to the degree of our attention to life. So that's what I would say about it. Thank you. And who is that again? Henri Bergson. Henri Bergson. Thank you. So um, thank you, uh, everyone uh, who was a part of this conversation. Uh, the, the guests that we have here, thank you, Lisa, uh, Morgan, Eddie, Andrew, Matt, myself. And... You know, thank you for, you know, without any remuneration, coming to the table, having this conversation. Um, it, it, it was a learning experience for me. Uh, I, I, I received grace through each of you, and I, uh, and I thank God for that. Um, and I hope that people who were tuning in, people who are listening, uh, also received something. If you want to share this conversation with others in your core, go to saconnects slash on dash point dash webinars. And you'll be able to uh, see the video recordings as well as a group discussion guide so you can continue the conversation in ways that are relevant for your neighborhood, for your core, and for your community. So until next time, grace and peace to everyone.